Welcome back to Mountain Meditations. This week, we're going to be doing Why Are Memes Popular? Now, that may excite a lot of you because everyone knows about memes. And that's that's what makes it so crazy is this this is a very deep subject. And, you know, you, you might think it's kind of funny. Why, like, why would you study memes? Why would you be really trying to study the psychology behind it? But there is more to it than just things that you see you know, on Instagram and other social media throughout the day. And that's why it's so important is the fact that you see memes constantly. So first, like, before we get started into anything, let's talk about what is a meme. So, Tristan, what's the definition of a meme? Richard Dawkins first coined the word meme in a book that he wrote in 1976. It was called The Selfish Gene. Mm -hmm. And the book was about, oh, attempted... Uh, to explain how information spreads between cultures. Yeah. And the word memes comes from the Greek word mimima, which I don't think I'm pronouncing correctly, and it means something imitated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we, we see this in examples of, for example, he talked about birds, like a bird call um, has a certain tune that it whistles, and that would spread to the other bird, which goes to another bird, and it's the same tune that's being spread all throughout the community. That is what his definition of a meme was. And he used that to explain uh, like the way that skills are passed down through generations, the way that images are used, you know, all of this relates back to memes. And you could see that in things today. Yeah. Like for example, everybody, I remember the first couple memes that I saw were the, it was a penguin with a blue background and it would always talk about in some way how they were socially not prepared for something. Like uh, I remember I saw a girl in one of my high school classes. She had a printout of, a, of the penguin with the blue background, and it said, the teacher calls t- for us to work in groups. Oh, God, no. And I've never related to something so heavily before in my life. I always hated working in groups, and I was almost never in classes with people that I knew, so it was always really stressful to try to pick out people that I could work with that would actually do the work that I could actually talk to. Mm-hmm. And honestly, the biggest reason I'd say why memes are so popular is because the barrier to entry to make good memes, to make memes and get attention from them is completely nullified. Almost everybody in first world countries has access to the internet. Mm -hmm. And almost everybody in first world countries has access to the internet in their pocket from their smartphone. And that's all you really need to digest and make your own memes. Most memes are a picture with some kind of format, some kind of text. We've talked about the Steven Crowder meme that changed my mind. Mm -hmm. It's just a picture of Crowder He's got a coffee mug, and it's got a statement, change my mind. Mm -hmm. And that's how it's cool because it's like it's personalized. So anyone can put whatever they want on it and then share it from there. And so when we talk about why memes are popular, we can see that in a psychological sense. For example, when we're looking at um, like the way that your brain reacts to things. So like neural excitation occurs when you see something that you've seen before. So for example, this can be seen in like when you're looking at pictures of loved ones, when you recognize the person that's in the picture, you're like, oh, you know, that's my dad. Like that's my sister, whatever. And your brain has that sort of click. So we get that, not you know, not to that degree, but we do get that in um, when you look at things that you've seen before. For example, a cartoon, if you pick any sort of meme, You've seen it once before, you've seen it a couple of times, you start to recognize it, and then when you see it again, you get that little click. It's just a little thing. And so that's why it's really uh, effective in 
uh, the that repetitive imagery that's going throughout your day. And I think another thing about memes is that when you look at them, you're at your most vulnerable. So, like you're lying at bed at night, you're about to fall asleep. You know, you're looking at Instagram, you're going through the explore page. You're just looking I at all the memes. I always feel vulnerable when I look at memes. And that's why memes are so, so influential and reflective on us as a society. And I think that really goes into how influenced uh, this newer, more technologically advanced generation is with things like images. I can remember it wasn't too long ago when prequel memes were a big thing. Mm -hmm. And I think that goes into what Chris was talking about. Maybe it's not a loved one. Maybe you're not in love with Anakin Skywalker. <laughs> Maybe you are. Nothing wrong with that. Hayden Christensen's a beautiful man. <laughs> but you know, you recognize that. And maybe you really like the Star Wars movies as a kid. And maybe you really love the prequels. Yeah. And when you see uh, that used in that way, it brings back a very nostalgic feeling. Mm -hmm. I remember me and Chris both really got into prequel memes at a time. <laughs> and it was it was almost a way to, to defend the prequels. I think a lot of people understand that the the prequels aren't the most well-received in the Star Wars genre. <laughs> That's an understatement, but yes. <laughs> they're not, they're, by me included, <laughs> not really to my taste, but you had prequel memes come out, and that cast them in an affectionate light. Yeah, sort of like like your your younger brother that you kid around with, like, you know, you, you just kind of poke fun at it sometimes, and that makes you love it a little more, but you love it because it's funny. And so, yeah, it's like casting that movie in a different light. So when when we talk about memes, like where did where did they come from? You know, when we can go all the way back to the beginning, um, we can talk about some of the first imagery that was actually. So I'm going to talk about the penis. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna whip it out right now. Um, so nice. The when we talk about cave paintings, for example, the penis is one of the first things that was uh, very prominently used as a symbol. What does that mean? It was it was representing masculinity. It was representing dominance. You know, I have power. You know, here's a penis, basically. Yeah, and you can go to any middle school in today, <laughs> and you'll find a bunch of memes about dicks. Yeah, I personally drew plenty of memes about dicks on my buddy's notebooks. <laughs> so things like that, like the penis, is a meme in that it has been spread throughout communities over time. In that imagery, like over thousands of years, and we talk about death as well. Death is another example. Like skulls, bones, you know, other symbols of mortality. So that's that is one viable candidate for the very first meme. Um, so the, you know, like imageries of imminent death have appeared in in some variants in almost like every culture on Earth. So you see it in paintings, um, you hear it in music, stuff like that. So that is part. That's more of a conceptual meme than anything. But it is something that has been spread throughout. You know, it, oh, you, even in plays, like, you know, like a lot of Shakespearean plays, death is at the center. But when, okay, let's, let's fast forward all the way to 1996. So some of you may m remember this. It's called the baby cha-cha-cha. So it was like the dancing baby, basically. So it was like this naked baby and it was just kind of, it was just kind of dancing and it was like spinning around and that, that was it. So it was uh, designed by um, Michael Gerard a graphic designer. Um, so what his goal was is to show that like movement could be programmed and projected through computers. And so his employer wanted to show it to all other, the other developers and like show it off. 
And then it got in the hands of a LucasArts developer who turned it into a GIF. And then from there, it just went everywhere. And it just blew up for some reason. No one knows why or understands why, but it was just a dancing baby and people liked it. And I think that goes into uh, something that I'd like to talk about. I think memes kind of tap into the more basic human conditions. Chris was talking about uh, like death being one of the biggest memes. and. Most people, I'd reckon, are very familiar with death, whether it's the death of a loved one or the death of a pet. And I think a lot of people uh, can really tap into uh, humor. Mm-hmm. I think the dancing baby mean I've seen, I think it's pretty funny, especially if you've never seen anything like that before. If you're in the 19, if you're in 1996, you never seen that kind of a weird dancing baby thing before. I think that's pretty funny. Yeah, it's comedy and tragedy that's represented in the very basis of Greek plays. And you can see it even today. There are memes like deep fried memes, which are beautiful works of art mm-hmm. that really tap into the, <laughs> the comedy of memes. And there's, you know, everybody's like related to a, a nice depression meme. You've seen a meme about being alone and thought, ha ha, me too. <laughs> and I, memes can just kind of tap into that very, those very basic human instincts uh, I'm sure there are memes out there about being hungry. Mm-hmm. There are memes out there about laughing, going out with your buddies, not having buddies to go out with. Yeah, it's that strict dichotomy where a meme can kind of can really be. It's they're very human mm-hmm. in a sense. Memes are some of the most human pieces of art that has the lowest barrier to entry. Yeah, uh, and that anybody, a lot of people make memes. A lot of people spread them, like them, share them. And it, it taps into just that very basic feeling yeah. of relatability yeah. and nostalgia. And a little bit lately, there's been a trend of more absurdist humor. You know, like you're talking about with deep fried memes, things like that are becoming very. It's just like it's something that if you showed it to a person over the age of 40, they would not even smile. They would probably look at you you know, really funny and just wonder, like, are you okay? You know, do you need... They probably wonder if you were a special needs child. Well, yeah. (laughs) Do you need help? You know, things like that. So, you know, this is something that's very generational and it's going to change as we get older and as the people, you know, younger than us start to grow up and, you know, new generations come in, new memes are going to be created. Like, what are the memes of the future going to be like? Who knows? But one thing... I, I personally can't stand these newfangled memes. <laughs> I want the kids to stop Fortnite dancing on my lawn. <laughs> but one thing you can be sure of is that you can tell when something is very powerful by how much people want to limit it. So if we're examining memes in a cultural sense, there are actually a lot of countries that have had restrictions on memes. I'm going to talk about that. So in Russia, for example, there was a a new policy that was directed at suppressing online satire and memification of the Russian president, you know, Vladimir Putin. So that's wild. Yeah, I, I actually didn't hear much about this. I, I can't remember when it happened, but yeah, I wonder it was, why you didn't hear much about it. Yeah, that's the thing is because like. You know, both the court ruling and the anti-meme policy, it was, like, met with heavy scrutiny from um, a lot of, you know, like, the news media, especially our news media. 
Um, so then, of course, in reaction to that, you have this upsurge of Putin-related memes. <laughs> it's like that time <laughs> that, time that Beyonce, uh, you know, there was that Super Bowl picture of her, and she right, looked really... Right, I know exactly what you're talking yeah, about. She looked really unflattering, and she basically like tried to get it taken off of the internet, which is literally the opposite of what you should do, because then everyone just wants to spread it as much as they can. I do kind of feel bad for Beyonce about that. Yeah. She just wants a picture where she looks bad taken down. There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> but boy, she made the worst decision possible. Yeah. <laughs> I think we just lost Beyonce's viewership. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure she was listening to us. <laughs> so also the, you know, the damn Daniel videos with the, you know, the, the white vans. Remember those? I remember damn that, Daniel. yes. Um, so like that with, uh, it, it gave the kids who were, um, who made it, they, they got a lot of success. And what yeah. happened is they used their, um, the money that they got to send shoes to kids in third world places that, you know, the kids would otherwise be shoeless. So that was pretty cool. Like that's a way that memes can be sort of used in a positive way. It's like the benefits of that being able to spread, you know, nice things to the rest of the world. And then you've got like North Korea, when we talk about about banning things. Do you remember the movie The Interview? I do. Of course. I think everyone does. Um, yeah. So that was something that was um, they tried to stop. And so we can we can call that a meme because it was very unflattering to North Korea. Very, very unflattering. <laughs> if anyone yeah. saw it, it's, yeah, it's not exactly I painting it, them in a beautiful light. <laughs> I wouldn't call it unflattering. I'd say it's just accurate. Yeah, yeah. And it, it showed a lot of things that they didn't want to be showed. Exactly. Um, so they tried to get it, you know, they, they didn't want that to be seen by anyone. Um, yeah, and that, that goes into something else. Like, when you were talking about the future of memes, the future of memes, memes aren't limited to image macros yeah. and videos. Yeah. Memes are now dances from Fortnite. Yeah. Memes, songs can be memes. Yes. Movies can be memes. Yes. It memes can take so many different forms because it falls outside the traditional boundaries of what is seen as artistic. Yeah. So one article I found is called um, Truth is a Virus, Meme Warfare and the Billionaires for Bush or Gore. And it's written by Andrew Boyd. And um, one of the most prominent quotes I could find in it was... Um, Social movements cannot live by meme alone. Yet, memes are clearly powerful both analytically and operationally. A vital movement requires a hot and happening meme. Truth is a virus whose aim is to subvert the corporate meme machine with a sly guerrilla war of signs. We hear that. Sly guerrilla war. So, you have this sort of uh, outrage media... You have all these memes being created sort of sort of in whispers. I would call the the meme culture a silent majority. And the reason I say that is because uh, right. statistically, okay. uh, the people who create the memes that are the most successful are people who are sort of social outcasts. So low status members of you know society, when they create memes, um, they're the ones that are going to be more popular. You, you think that's sort of odd because in real life when we have, you know, everyone together, the high status members are always the one, like everything they say, everyone's laughing at it. You know, it's like they're always at the top of the food chain. 
But then we move to the online um, jungle, and you have the low-status members who are running the crowd. And so, exactly. Yeah, and you know why does that happen? Why? What is this that the that the low status people are now running things, and what does that mean for the online community? Yeah, and it's also like it memes just kind of allow more awkward people who aren't quite as socially well adjusted yes. to be relatable. Yeah, because I think that's one of the the best ways to to really uh, connect with people mm-hmm. to build relationships is to be relatable. Uh, I think people. I'd reckon people in general don't want to form any kind of relationship romantically or f- or any kind of friendly relationship with somebody who's just wildly different from them, yeah. who has wildly different principles and values. Yeah. Because I think most people's principles and values are derived from their basic sense of morality. And if you have wildly different views on what's moral in the world, I think you're less likely to develop good relationships. Mm-hmm. And memes allow people who aren't as socially well adjusted to use the the format of memes to be relatable. Yeah. So you you mentioned music. I kind of want to talk about that a little bit because you know, I'm really into music and I'm really into the way that we listen to music because it's it's changing by the second literally. Um, so Chris is just being humble. He's a musical genius. Well, uh, he plays <laughs> all the instruments. Every sing- name an instrument. Chris plays it. I guarantee you. <laughs> I don't say that, but, um, so he doesn't say that, but it's true. <laughs> don't listen to him. <laughs> so there are actually, um, professional meme makers in society. So in NBC news did a video about this. It was called uh, living off memes, the life of a professional Instagram meme maker. And just like, when you when you see stuff like this, this, is, this has gotten out of hand. I know you're just like, wow, we've we've just gone way too far. And so he was like, he's an artist, and he basically like built his living by making memes. And you wonder like, okay, so who's paying him to make memes? Well, obviously, it's the people that want the ideas spread. So it's the easiest way to spread ideas. It's also the easiest way to spread a, a form of advertisement. You know, when you go, when you, when a new thing occurs in life, you can guarantee that someone's going to find a way to make more money with it. And exactly. And that's what they're doing. So they found a way to, to advertise through memes. I don't know if you guys have ever seen, so you know, the Balenciaga shoes? I do not. Okay. Well, they were very popular online because people specifically were roasting them. And I would not have known of their existence if it were not for those memes. You know, more examples of that. Okay, let, let's talk about music. So I fa- you and I have found a couple of different songs through memes themselves. Exactly. Yeah. like Remember Gangnam Style? Oh, gosh. Yeah. That was a dark time. <laughs> <laughs> that was a dark time. <laughs> I think that was like my senior year of high school. Oh man. Oh jeez. Yeah, dark. Um so like Denzel Curry, Ultimate, you know. Yes. Um uh, All-Star. That turned into a real meme. Um Shooting Stars by Bag Raiders. Yes. A really Unironically good song. a good song. Yeah. Yeah. Um Push Me to the Edge, All My Friends Are Dead, Little Uzi Vert. Um, I don't. I have no. I I didn't know who actually made that song. All I knew was "Push Me to the Edge." All my friends are dead. Yeah. So memes can really just be used <laughs> to 
they could be weaponized yeah. to rocket fame. <laughs> Drake. I'm trying to tell you. Drake does this. So look at every single one of his singles. And I guarantee there's a meme for it. So I, I can literally say, let's see. Um, God's plan. Yes, God's plan. Um, Remember when Drake played Fortnite? <laughs> He, they actually they made God's plan memes out of the Fortnite. It was like a it was a picture of Drake hugging somebody, and it's like when your buddy tells you to like pick him up, or when your buddy gives you healing items. It's like God's plan. Oh gosh, <laughs> he's doing this on purpose. Yeah, is Drake is Drake the forerunner of advanced meme warfare? I think so. More at eleven. She said, "Do you love me?" I tell her only partly. Only love my bed and my mama. I'm sorry. Why did Why did I know that? There's no reason for me to have known that. I haven't heard the song that much. It's because I've seen it online a bunch of times. Okay, we're we're living in 2018, and Drake is living in 3018, <laughs> which is another music meme <laughs> from that Black Eyed Peas song. <laughs> Hotline Bling. Remember that? Yes. And like they would they would take the video and you know, put things like him dancing. Um, yeah. The boy would put things around it. And then the, the Kiki, um, dance challenge, like people are doing yeah, a dance. Kiki, because do you of, love me? Yeah. So these, these, I for one welcome our new Drake overlord. <laughs> I don't think people realize it, you know, that this is <laughs> definitely half. Oh, what about the yodeling kid from Walmart? Oh, remember yeah. him? Oh my goodness. Yeah. And he got, he actually made real songs yes. later, didn't he? He became famous because of it. He took pictures with Justin Bieber. <laughs> he, he had concerts. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Do you guys... Rick Astley, um, never going to give oh, you yeah. up. One of the first music memes. Yes. Do you know... It all comes full circle. Yeah. How many views that has on YouTube? I just looked it up. 496,510,241 views. Um, that's a lot. That is a lot. And there's a reason. I for wonder that. how many, I'd love for there to be an analysis on how many of those views, if we could somehow figure out how many of those views are by somebody being Rick rolled. Yeah. See, do you met, I bet it's over 50%. Yeah. That would be so funny. <laughs> if half of all the views were just from people Rick rolling each other. <laughs> so now memes are popular because there's, science to it there's market analysis yeah there's economics to it we can bring memes as a science we can bring <laughs> memes as a tool they are powerful tools that people can use to accomplish certain goals think about it like this memes have been around since newspapers is a political cartoon anything other than just another meme that's true they even they even are functionally similar to today's memes. They're usually a single panel yeah. with some text and some labels. And what are they used for? They're used to uh, push forward a certain political ideology. Yeah. Oh, movies. We, we got to talk about movies because recently, yeah. um, The Room, for example. Yes. Gosh. The Room got its, its documentary. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god yeah i pretty i think the cia is going to start knocking on our doors soon i think we've we've discovered too much <laughs> oh there was a lot for um it remember because yeah uh they had the you know him in the uh you know in the sewer yeah in the sewer in peeking the, the out storm of the storm drain boy. 
Yeah. And uh, that also brings into a viral marketing campaigns. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what the title. Do you remember that movie where that guy could curve the bullet by like f- flinging the gun in a certain way and then uh, shooting it? He could curve the bullet. He could curve it around Angelina Jolie and hit a dead pig behind her. No. I don't remember what that movie was called, <laughs> but I'm sure somebody else will remember Curve the Bullet. That actually had a viral, like it, a viral video went along with it. Uh-huh. And in one of the scenes in the movie, the guy freaks out and yells at his boss, and then hits her with, and then hits somebody with a keyboard. And they push that scene off with like an overhead view, like a, a security camera of a guy just wailing on, of a guy like going on an office rampage, Dang. just like beating the beating the heck out of somebody. Yeah. And that was. It spread awareness for the movie. It was a viral marketing campaign using a clip mm. meant to uh, galvanize and garner attention yeah. as a meme. Yeah. I want to ask this question. Can memes be appropriated? Can memes be stolen? You know, can you can change the context of something. For example, when someone hears, when my mom hears Never Gonna Give You Up, she loves it because she likes the actual song. Okay, but someone who is familiar with the concept of Rickrolling, when they hear the song, like, you know, I don't know if people still think of it. I guess I kind of do. Like, it still reminds me of those days. Um, you, you think of the meme. So it's like you're changing the meaning of something, basically. And Pepe right. the Frog is a huge example of this because Pepe the Frog started out as a comic. And he's, exactly. he's actually been like renounced by the creator he's like this is no longer something i yeah i want to associate myself with because people took pepe and they turned it into something totally different now people are talking about connections to the alt-right things like that you know because of the way the symbol has been used um the the meaning has changed entirely and that goes into what you were saying before we know that memes are powerful because people try to suppress them. The right. Southern Poverty Law Center declared Pepe the Frog a hate symbol. <laughs> now, if you look at the Southern Poverty Law Center, it's very clear that they have no credibility whatsoever. Mm-hmm. But they still are an organization that's widely cited for some reason. Yeah, People wanted to silence Pepe the Frog just because maybe there are a couple of people on 4chan who have untoward ideals about how race should be seen, Mm -hmm. uh, used it. And that doesn't even take into the consideration all the millions of other people who use Pepe the Frog just as a funny image. Yeah. I have, like, pictures of Pepe the Frog on my computer. Yeah. And he looks sad. (laughs) And sometimes when people post something that makes me sad, I post that picture to show them that I'm sad. (laughs) And apparently, now that makes me a Nazi? What? (laughs) I didn't know being sad was a Nazi thing. I thought it was anti-Semitism. Well, and you know, we can talk about the swastika as well. Um, the swastika yeah, was not... The swastika would be a meme. Yeah. It's not originally... It, it wasn't meant to be used as a hate symbol at all. I believe it was... It was. It originated in Hindu culture, I think. It's been in actually in a couple of different cultures, you know, like Buddhism, Hinduism, all the, all those kinds of things. And it's mostly about divinity like spirituality stuff like that um so it that's a huge flip to where we have you know the nazis 
And honestly, I wasn't thinking that memes could be appropriated, but when I think about it like that, I guess when you take a symbol like that and you completely just outwardly change like the original meaning yeah. into something that drastic, mm -hmm. I guess you could see that as appropriation. Yeah. And, and that's why it's so powerful is because you can use this for people as well. So one example I like to bring up is Joe Biden. So <laughs> do you remember the Biden bro memes? I do. Yes. Those were pretty funny. They were really funny. Um, great meme. And so what basically the format of them is that it would be taking a picture of Barack Obama and Joe Biden standing next to each other, um, you know, usually talking or just standing around and it would put captions to it. You know, very, very simple idea. So what it would do is it would depict uh, Biden in this like goofy, fun, you know, sort of light. And it would have Barack Obama be in in comedy terms. He would be the straight man where, you know, he would be like, no, Joe, we can't do that. You know, like, he, you know, He's, Joe's like, hey, let's order pizza. And, Joe, you know, Barack would be like, oh, come on. You know, let's not do that. <laughs> so, Barack Obama is like the proverbial older brother yes. trying to just keep his energetic little <laughs> immature younger brother from doing something weird. Yeah. So. And it. Go ahead. For some people, that was their exposure to politics. And this is why I think this is dangerous in some ways and can be used in dastardly ways is that we can have someone that if you don't pay attention to anything but memes, then, you know, if you don't watch the news, if you really yeah. aren't focused on politics, if you only see the memes, which was me for a while, that was me. Um, I was a memer, but I did not care about politics. You know, I tried to distance myself from that because I realized, you know, I was like, well, people get mad, so it must be bad. <laughs> exactly. So if you know nothing about Biden and you look at these memes, then you're going to get an opinion of him that might not be true, but is depicted that way through the creation of this art. Yeah, because I, I reckon Joe Biden is not as immature as those memes would make him out to be. Right. Kind of scary. That that could be used, you know, that's probably a harmless way it could be used, but you could do it in many ways. If you, for example, if I were running for president and Tristan was my opponent. Um, oh, man. <laughs> the First of all, the country's in a lot of trouble. But second of all. Um, yeah, flee. Run away. <laughs> get out. Um, but also, if you if I wanted to get at Tristan, what I could do is I could say, hey. You know, everyone start making memes about how Tristan, like, I don't know, eats puppies or something. And then that could just spread in a viral manner as it does throughout the Internet. And so people who are uneducated, who are the ones that I'm going to be preying on, because I know that I can't beat Tristan in a fair fight. So I have to resort to this. So I would say, <laughs> you know, just just dig at him. Just get him. And so... <laughs> Um, you know, and then people would be like, wow, you know, this Tristan guy is really evil. I'm not going to vote for him. I'm going to vote for the nice guy, you know, Chris. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's actually, that's actually really good because that has happened. Something very similar has happened. I remember the 2012 presidential race, Mitt Romney going up against Barack Obama mm -hmm. and Mitt Romney is actually one of the cleaner guys that's ever been in congress yeah he's a mormon he lives by a very strict religious code yeah and he's a pretty good guy but he had the book thrown at him by a lot of democrat strategists yeah i can specifically think of like one thing that it's actually very similar to what chris said people started this crazy rumor that mitt romney went on a road trip and strapped a dog. dog to the roof of his car <sighs> and it was a real thing and that I mean, 
he denied it completely. There was no evidence that it was true. But ever since then, people thought of Mitt Romney as that guy who straps a dog to the car of his roof. You can't vote for somebody like that. And I remember one very specifically. Harry Reid made a statement that said that Mitt Romney pays less in taxes than his assistant. And right. that was just fundamental. That was just, just an outright lie. Mm-hmm. There was no evidence for that. And Mitt Romney actually, I don't remember how he did this, but he actually proved that he paid more in taxes than his secretary. Yeah. And Harry Reid, when he was confronted about it, he didn't even really apologize. He basically just said, look, I did what I had to do <laughs> to win that race. All and is that, fair in love really, and politics. <laughs> and it really is like that kind of thing where it's like these memes are powerful and they can be used by bad people to do bad things, yeah. to spread misinformation. Yeah. And the more you the more you look into it, the more you realize I always thought like, okay, what was what were like the first memes when we were thinking about doing this podcast? And I was like, okay, what do I think about memes? Well, they probably cropped up sometime around the internet age, but the more I've thought about it, I realize memes have just always been there. Mm-hmm. And now it's just entering different formats. Right. Memes have always been there. From the first cave paintings in France to uh, Greek tragedy and comedy, memes have always been there, yeah. and they have always influenced my life. Mm-hmm. It, it's so prevalent in our lives, and I think people don't think about it, which I think is the reason that not a lot of research has been done about it. I'd be interested to see how far we can go with this once it starts becoming more obvious, um, because a lot of it is kind of obvious. Like sometimes on Instagram... Do you remember, have you ever heard of Fashion Nova, the clothing brand? I have not. Okay, well, this is another one like Balenciaga where it's like they they were promoting their clothing brand through um, Instagram and they would like put the name of their company in every post, which would be like, you know, they would use it in a sense that they'd, they'd be like, I don't know. It, it would always be some curvy woman with a caption above it that's like, Something, something in her Fashion Nova boots, something, something. And like you look at it, you're like, okay, come on. <laughs> like, can you be, you know, just a little more subtle about it? So I think that's what's going to happen is it's going to like start becoming more obvious. People are going to start paying more attention to it. And we're going to realize like how we're, how much we're being influenced by the images that we see on a day-to-day basis. Okay. I'm going to try to walk away from this uh, social influence of memes and talk about something that I've noticed with memes. My personal favorite genre of movie is comedy. Mm-hmm. I love comedies. I like I like to laugh. I love stand-up comedy. I've written out routines for stand-up comedy. I've tried to get into it. It's true. And one of the things that I've really noticed in a lot of modern-day comedy movies is that they're very, very dialogue-driven. Mm-hmm. Punchlines are delivered not through visuals or through non-diegetic sounds. Mm-hmm. They're driven through dialogue. Somebody says something funny. Somebody responds in a funny way. Yeah. But memes kind of take that to another level. They're not entirely dialogue-driven. A lot of memes can be funny simply by the way a picture is posed. Uh, they're, so they're very visually driven yeah. and not just dialogue-driven. Like, for example, I brought up deep fried memes earlier, Mm -hmm. and it's kind of like the contrast between having something very serious and having a meme that looked like it was acid soaked with all these weird emojis (laughs) thrown around everywhere. And you see that uh, in certain movies. Uh, Edgar Wright is a director that I 
like to bring up because I saw a YouTube video about him where he really uses visual comedy in a way. Uh, he There's a, a video from Every Frame of Painting, which is a YouTube channel that I thoroughly recommend, where it really it talks about how he uses visual comedy, how he uses cuts to make things jarring and surprise you. And he can do things that you won't expect, and he can move the camera in certain ways that you won't expect to make things appear distorted and get a bit out of it. Mm -hmm. And it really, it goes back to like the Buster Keaton days. Yeah. React, reaction images. Buster Keaton, one of the funniest things I've ever seen from Buster Keaton is he he has to run away from somebody, which he does in a lot of he his movies. He does all the time. And he, and he jumps on the back of a car, <laughs> what looks like the back of a car, but it's actually a sign with a tire on it. And he jumps on the back of that, and the car drives away without him. And he's looking, and he's wide-eyed. He's looking at the people. He thinks he's running away. He's like, aha, I'm getting away. And he looks, the car's just going without him. And he gets back, and he flips the sign around. says, free galvanization. And that, <laughs> you can see the same, like, principles with a lot of memes. You have uh, the expectation, and then the derivation, and the reality of the situation. It's a reaction. You can react in a funny way. You catch a snapshot of a funny moment. Boom, now you've got a piece of comedy that isn't completely carried by uh, the punchline. You've got a piece of comedy that you can just watch. In Buster Keaton's days, they didn't, they didn't have talkies yet. They didn't even have color in a lot of his movies. I don't think he's ever done a movie with color in it. Not that I can think of, but they do have, but he's got the face for it. He's got the expressions for it. He's, he, you can, he can react to the situations in a way that brings out the comedy, and memes can do that in a similar way. So with things like the cave paintings, with things like a Greek plays, comedy and tragedy, Buster yeah. Keaton movies, movies with no color or sound, yeah. newer movies, uh, viral marketing, we can see memes have been used to spread information and influence culture for longer than almost anybody has been alive. Because yeah. you can see in the way that government tries to support that governments try to suppress it. Memes are a way to convey information, just mm -hmm. like newspapers, just like books, just like articles. Memes are a way to spread information through people because people are social animals. And the best way for social animals to all get together and survive out in this jungle that we call the real world is to spread information. And the best thing that you can do with information is learn from it. Memes mm -hmm. are a way to learn. Learning is a very powerful tool. <laughs> We've seen before how powerful memes can be in the sense of political cartoons and rumors that spread around about candidates. Mm -hmm. Now, here about meditations, we'd just like to tell you to meme responsibly. <laughs> Don't meme and drive. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right. That's going to be it from, from all of us. This is Mountain Meditations with Tristan and Chris. See you next time, guys. All right, bye-bye. Bye. -bye. bye.